0: Your best bet is to spend all your time going and putting flyers out because the more passive eyes you have, the higher chance of getting more and more sightings and finding out, okay, well, what's the dog's pattern?
1: Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together, we can make the world a much better
2: place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit
1: Here podcast.
2: Hi, you guys. It is CB.
1: And CS.
2: And welcome to another episode of You Fit Here. We are so excited for today's interview with our new friend, Carrie, who is a hero to us because of what she dedicates her time to. And you guys will hear all about why.
1: Yes. I learned about Carrie from my cousin Laura like a week and a half ago, maybe, and I felt a little bit – I was not nervous about just stalking you and then um, recognizing my house in the photo of your house and realize that we are literally like yards apart from one another. And then learning about what what Carrie does, I was like, I I live like so close to a hero, a hero – lives there. That's so cool. But we'll we'll unpack that for you guys so that you have um, a little bit of a better understanding. But what I read from your Facebook, um, because we are friends, is that you love your life, your husband, your dogs, all dogs, running, okay. volunteering, traveling, okay. and decorating cookies. Yes. Um, Carrie is also the person that you would contact if, God forbid, your sweet angel dog ever went missing.
0: Welcome. Yes. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to meet you guys. I
2: know. <laughs> we are so excited. Most people who know me know that dogs, all animals, but like dogs are just everything to me. I would not have any higher pitched voice if possible when talking to a dog on the street but like you show me your baby I'm like oh they're cute I see a puppy and I'm like oh my gosh please let me hold it and touch it (laughs) no offense to babies I love babies too but Carrie is the owner of on the run lost dog recovery in Hamilton County which is the north side of Indianapolis so Carrie take us back to like the very beginning, what were you like as a child and did you have this overwhelming love for animals always, or was this something that just kind of developed as you got older?
0: I have always liked animals. I mean, we had dogs and cats and everything growing up. I grew up on 10 acres of land out in um, the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. and But it was never an obsession or anything. Um Yeah, I don't know. It just as I got older, love dogs. You know, my husband got us a dog when we very first started dating. Uh, I do have to say it's not usually a good idea to surprise somebody with a puppy. (laughs) 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 But uh, after a few months, I'm a a type A. So it took a lot of adjusting to a puppy. Um, But yeah, and then just moving forward from there. I got into, my husband and I used to volunteer in Charlotte. We lived in Charlotte for 11 and a half years. And when we lived in Charlotte, there was a group called the Coalition to Unchained Dogs, where every Sunday, rain, shine, ice. Uh, we don't really get snow in Charlotte, it's ice. Um, <laughs> we would go out on Sundays and spend a couple hours building fences to get dogs off of chains. And uh, it just kind of developed from there. So the obsession with helping dogs and yeah. So that's really cool.
2: Amazing. I mean, how do you even... Did you just hear about it from someone and then decide like, oh, I'm going to go help one day? And then you just couldn't stop at that point? Like you saw the difference you were making?
0: So when it came to doing the fence builds, it's funny because I, after we moved to Charlotte, I used to always look at the Portland, Oregon news every day. I'd check the news in Portland, just, you know, I grew up there and it was the first time really, truly moving away from my home state. And there was a group out there called Fences for Fido. And they were doing the fence built and all that. And so about a year and a half later, a group in Raleigh, North Carolina, started the Coalition of Unchained Dogs. And they went out to Portland, they learned how to do the fence builds, they went back, they created their own, they started creating chapters. So we were the Charlotte chapter of the Coalition Unchained Dogs. And for six years, that was what we did every Sunday if we were in town and um, we still have the same core group of friends, there was a core volunteer group that was there every Sunday. And then of course we'd have other random volunteers, sponsors, fence builds, and um, had friends that belonged to it, that ran rescues in, in the South. Wow. The need is so to get dogs safe. And um, in the South, there's, they tend to be high kill shelters down there. And so when I learned how to deal with lost dogs in the proper way of dealing with dogs in survival mode. Um, it was difficult because sometimes I'd be notified of a stray that I couldn't, couldn't help. Um, just because if it took me weeks to catch a dog, there's a chance I'd send it to the shelter and it'd be put down in three days. Right. And so depending on which County it was in, luckily Charmec, in Charlotte, Charlotte Charlotte-Mecklenburg County has, since we've moved away from there, has, they're almost to the point that they're designated a no-kill shelter. So they've made huge strides uh, in the Charlotte area, but of course, the surrounding counties are lagging. So sometimes I had to just let stray dogs be stray dogs because they were surviving just fine on their own. And unless I could find a rescue to take them, which, Rescues can't commit to a dog, but they don't know its behavior. So it, it was difficult in Charlotte. It was very difficult in Charlotte. And so when I moved here, I discovered that there was a group called FIDO um, Lost Dog Recovery. And I saw something about them. And this was about, we moved here three and a half years ago. So this was about three Two and a half, three years ago, I discovered Fido Lost Dog Recovery. I met with the director, and it turned out her and I do things the same, you know, and we just really hit it off. And so I became the Hamilton County case manager for Fido Lost Dog Recovery. But about a year and a half ago, the director had to step down. And so when she stepped down, I created On the Run Lost Dog Recovery to maintain helping dogs in Hamilton County. Luckily it's Hamilton County. We have an open intake, no kill shelter as our County shelter, which is people don't understand how truly lucky we are because that doesn't exist across our country in spades. There's probably less than 10 open intake, no kill shelters as County shelters across the country. So, um, having, having the Hamilton County humane society is a godsend. In fact, when we bought our current house and purposely I bought this house because it's smack dab in the middle of Hamilton County and I needed a four car garage because one of my traps literally has to be brought in on a trailer. (laughs) So I needed space for a trailer for one of my traps. So, um, but yeah, and then the group down in Marion County, um, Peaceful souls, animal rescue and recovery. They are super busy. They can get, I mean, five calls a day for dogs. Um, but here, luckily, I mean, I can go. I can go a couple months without a phone call, or I'll have a week where I get five cases. So it just depends. Pretty unpredictable, then. It sounds very like. unpredictable. Yes. So I'm very lucky that I am a stay-at-home housewife. So I have lots of time.
2: Is there, I just want to circle back to the, um, kill shelters. Is there, I mean, because people don't, I would assume a lot of people don't realize that very often that, oh my gosh, I might think I'm helping a dog, but really they might be then just euthanized because they're going to that shelter. Is there something we should know or be like spreading the word about to can you turn these shelters into no-kill shelters?
0: Um, yeah. no, I don't want disparate shelters at all. Yeah. Every county has their own rhythm and most, especially here in Indiana, you know, the counties out here are amazing. There's usually a volunteer group that works with shelters that help keep them from euthanizing dogs just indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not bashing shelters in any yeah. way, they or form, because unfortunately, county shelters are taxpayer funded. They're usually underfunded. They're understaffed. Mm-hmm. They don't have the luxury of hiring uh, uh, behaviorists. So if you're a behaviorist in a small county and you have a shelter and you want to volunteer your time to help. Figure out what dogs yeah. can go where, and luckily, I mean, being up north, we are we're fortunate up north. It's not nearly as bad as southern states, mm-hmm. um, how bad southern states tend to be. But I've seen a huge shift online on different chatters and different states, even some of the states that you know they don't have good funding, where groups really have gotten together and are really pulling um, the the citizens brigade to help animals in the shelters that are underfunded and understaffed. And, you know, people should volunteer for the shelters yeah. if they really feel like they need to, a lot of people are very nervous about volunteering at shelters because they feel so bad for the dogs, but it's like, you know, if you can't volunteer, donate, if you can't donate, spread the word, if you can't, you know, if you don't have a social media presence, um, try and help with the other stuff that keeps you out of the shelter, like some of the fundraising stuff. So if it's too hard on your heart to see animals in a shelter, you know, help with the other things that don't don't expose you to the stuff that hurts your soul, you know.
2: Yeah, we were actually discussing this when we were talking about some of the causes people work towards and that you can become so emotionally consumed that then it makes you useless because you're too like broken to help. And so it was saying like, it's almost, I would assume like a high emergency type doctor, like you have to like almost have like a shield over your heart so that you can help. Because if you're too emotionally like broken, you're no good to anybody. Um, But I love the suggestion of if your heart can't handle like being in the shelter, there's so many other ways to still help without, being physically present in the shelter.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. And just in helping spread the word of, yeah. of um, fundraisers and charities and, and yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely ways to get involved and in rescue fatigue is a real thing. People get into rescue because they have a love and a passion. And if, if you don't know how to compartmentalize, and understand that you can only do what you can do. Everything else that's out of your control is truly just out of your control and you have to be at peace with that. Mm So it's tough. I haven't even thought of some of these things before. Doing what I do, I have to be super patient because hard to catch dogs are hard to catch for a reason. They can take, I mean, some dogs can take weeks, maybe months to even catch So
2: tell us or tell our listeners a little bit about your exact process when like you get a call or how does it all work for, for you?
0: So it depends on what the call is. So if it's a case where a dog was just adopted, maybe that day, maybe that week, maybe that month and escaped its new home. There's a different process for that. Then if there's a dog that you've owned for five years in the same house and it just been out on a happy jaunt and hasn't come home yet, there's a different process for that. Um, If it's one of my favorites is if people see a loose dog repeatedly and they're like, okay, I keep seeing this loose dog. I've put it out there. Nobody's claimed it's their dog. I think it's just a stray living in our neighborhood. Those are my favorite cases. (laughs) Um, And I get to meet a lot of the neighbors and it's, that's something I take control of from get go to finish. Um, So for example, if a dog was just recently adopted Mm -hmm. and it runs from the house, chances are it ran in fear. And there's been research and my experience um, dogs that run in fear lay a trail, a a pheromone trail of fear. And so they follow it back. And I'd say 90 plus percent chance if a dog gets out the very first night overnight, usually between midnight and 4am, the dog will come back to the exact same spot it got out of, whether it's a hole in the fence, the garage door, whatever. So if somebody calls me and they don't have, let's say a ring camera, I'll set up a camera. We go over what the process should be. They should o- keep a door open, keep the house quiet, because the dog has literally no, no reason to trust the people in the house. So if the house is quiet and they could just let themselves in and you could slam a door behind them, but if they catch any scent that somebody's nearby. So we've gotten many dogs back home. I don't usually post those on my Facebook page, um, but... I get a lot of those calls. And if people do everything right, they get their dog back home, safe and sound (laughs) the first night. But if it's a dog that has just been on a happy jaunt, they don't tend to lay a scent trail. And so by the time they realize that they're in trouble, they're so far from home, they don't know how to get back home because they can't follow their scent back home, Mm -hmm. supposedly. So, I mean, of course there's some dogs that constantly get out and come home and that's just what they do. But if it's, something that they don't normally do. They run after a deer or run after another dog or a squirrel. So um, that's a different process.
2: Wow. And then the third one, when you just see a dog repeatedly that doesn't seem to have an owner, what is that? And why is that your favorite?
0: That's just my favorite because while well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm having to answer and explain myself to anybody it's just I know what I need to do and I do it and I'm not going to let somebody down if gosh forbid the dog doesn't stay safe before I can get back to them Um, unfortunately not all not all lost dog cases have a happy ending Um, but I do my best to help make sure as long as the dog stays safe and stays in the area I know we'll get them right but I can't control if the dog's gonna stay safe or not. I can't control if somebody else will pick them up and not return them. I can't right. you know, I can't control why I can't control. So so the process for the stray dogs and neighborhoods, I just I get to meet all the neighbors, you know, I talk to people walking and see if they've seen the dog. There's dogs create a pattern when mm-hmm. they're in what's called survival mode, they tend to create a pattern. Tend to. Everything I say has an asterisk because dogs have free will, free realm, right. things that you would expect a dog to do. Not all of them do, but most of them will. Or, um, mm-hmm. But, um, but the, the the strays in the neighborhood, those are kind of my favorite just because the whole neighborhood is pulling for the dog to find a happy home. And heck, sometimes just the people in the neighborhood end up adopting the dog. So right. yeah, so that's all cute. Yeah.
1: So. My goodness. So I feel like because I didn't even know that a role like yours or, you know, what you did was a thing because I've never really thought about it before. Yeah. But something tells me that a lot of people who this happens to them, they can't find their dog, they might call I don't 911 or I'm not really sure. I don't know what, I mean, Google probably and then they find you, but are you linked or affiliated with like do Fire stations know about you and what you do, like things like that.
0: So I uh, work very closely with the Hamilton County Humane or Humane Law Enforcement. So Deputy Sanford and I are in contact if I have a case for, anytime I set a life trap, Deputy Sanford is notified. So that's our process. If he has, if he gets a call in, in Hamilton County, it's kind of interesting because each city has their own way of dealing with dogs at large and um so if if deputy sanford is notified of let's say there was one time out in westfield that um the westfield pd the whatever deputies and their pd that deal with trying to catch dogs they couldn't catch us dogs so um deputy sanford reached out to me and he said hey you know our guys tried to catch this dog can't catch them um here's the contact for the neighborhood who called us and then we go from there. And so if I said trap again, I always let him know. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely always in contact with, um, deputy Sanford and whatever city head, um, in Carmel or Westfield or Noblesville. Um, so I, I work with them, they'll just notify me if they can't catch a dog, and I exist because I mean, my first thing if somebody's like, "Oh, there's this dog running around," I'm like, "Well, call non-emergency, see if it, you know a, a CSO can get out there, because that's our job to do." And I'm not trying to take away anybody's job, but if they attempt to get the dog and they can't, then hopefully I get notified either through Facebook or through um, the authorities saying, "Hey, I, we can't catch this dog." Um, it'll probably have to be trapped. So just because, I mean, you know, our police department sets our taxpayer, we don't want taxpayer funded employees spending hours and days or weeks because I mean, it's very time consuming to catch a dog that's hard to catch. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I can go out with a fresh rotisserie chicken and have the dog in no time. Um, but those are rare. Those are rare cases, at least in the suburbs. I've, I see that like peaceful souls, they tend to, urban dogs tend to be more, you um, inclined to simply walk into a trap while you're standing there. I've only had that happen to me maybe twice, (laughs) ever, (laughs) ever. So it's not a common occurrence. It's it's suburban dogs. They're like, oh no, I can, I can go hide under the stick and you aren't going to see me. And you're right. I'm not going to see you. So, Uh, so I never actually try to find where a dog is staying because if you flush a dog out of their happy spot, they will feel threatened and moved areas. And I don't want them to move areas. I want to encounter them in their travels and I want their safe space to be their safe space. So I don't try to flush a dog out unless I know that they are injured badly. And right. that's when I will go on foot searches looking for a dog. So
2: this is so interesting. And I love that on your Facebook page, it's called on the run, but your posts say, so-and-such dog was on the run for 13 days and it shows you it's not just like oh someone gave me a stray dog I'm trying to find its owners now or something it's like no with the whole process of them being gone you see some of these stories where dogs are lost for so long and then hopefully they have a happy ending are are reunited and that's it's so do you it's almost like detective work (laughs) in my mind like do you just try to like put the puzzle pieces together, and then set a trap based on those?
0: Exactly. Every piece of information we get about a dog and its travel leads us to where the most important thing is setting up a feeding station, a monitored feeding station. Um, it's, It's important to have it monitored because if you just throw food out, you don't know what's eating it. So you don't know if it's a raccoon. It's always a cat. It's always a cat. <laughs> um, uh, so it's important that they're monitored. So I have I have a number of cameras that are cellular video cameras. So I get video clips. And so every piece of information I get leads me to a, to set up a feeding station in the proper spot. Because if I set a feeding station on one side of a house that seen at seen but it's not actually walking on that side of the house. It's always walking on the other side of the house. I may right. never get it to a feeding station and right. if I can't get to a feeding station. I'm not going to get trapped. So for me, the process of trapping a dog is it's got to come to a feeding station twice. And then right. I will set the trap with okay. very yummy rotisserie chicken, KFC, whatever's available yeah. at, me at whatever hour in the morning. So, um, and then I sleep in the guest room. That way I don't have to wear earplugs and I keep my phone on loud. So if I'm asleep and that camera goes off, I'm right there. Because the rule is a dog should not be in a trap any longer than 15 minutes. It's just, it's dangerous. It, if they try to fight the trap, they can hurt themselves. They can damage the trap. They can, um, yeah, it just, if you catch wildlife, you need to go out and you need to release it. But I, I never, almost never set a trap without having the dog come to the feeding station predictably, just because, gosh forbid, I catch a coyote in one of my traps. Right. Not fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Has that ever happened? No. Luckily, um, luckily coyotes tend to be very scared of alarms. My cameras have alarms. And I can usually scare a dog, a coyote, away from a trap um there are things called coyote dogs so they're they're coyotes that have bred with um random dogs um, lost dogs maybe out in the country Mm -hmm. they don't tend to scare away as easy so that can and they tend to be a lot bigger and a little more aggressive and so i'm hoping i never have to catch one of those
2: seriously yeah well i would imagine that the people who are sending in the information to you just being like a someone and i've posted on facebook in like our city group or whatnot found this dog so the more specific people can be with their details even like you said what side of the house are they always walking on or something like that the better for the people to actually get them at some
0: point yeah well and for me i i ask people not to post too detailed information okay on sightings because you have people who are very well-meaning and they go out and start searching and if they do encounter the dog if they don't do things properly um which our natural instincts are not the proper way to deal with it, (laughs) finding a stray dog um so if they don't know what they're doing, they could cause the dog to leave the area. And that's always my fear. I need the dog to stay in the area. So I ask, like, if there's somebody who's helping and posting, whether it's on next door, because, you know, each next door only goes so far. So if I'm working a case outside of my own network, um, there's usually somebody to help promote it on next door or in their neighborhood chatters or whatever, I ask them to be very general in the location to ask people to keep their eye out. And if somebody does see a stray dog and they don't know what to do, I always say the best thing for them to do is simply sit back out a far and do their best to keep their eye on the dog without the dog feeling like it's being hunted or chased in any way. Even if you're only going two miles an hour down the road, if yeah. a dog starts freaking out, abandon abort mission because you yeah don't want it to feel hunted.
2: I was actually going to ask that question a little bit later on, but I'll just jump to it right now. It was tips because I've encountered so many dogs just in the neighborhood and some it's like, I'll have treats in the car or like have an extra leash and just in case they come to you. Right. And thankfully I've had two where they're just like literally run and hop in my car and I'm like, Oh great. Okay. Now I can call the owner. But I did encounter one actually last week and it was barked at me and started running the other way. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my car and watch it. But, um, thankfully another neighbor recognized it and said, oh, he lives three doors down and whatever. So he got home. But what are the tips for people besides, I mean, stand back a afar, is it worth it to tempt, like I have a treat in my hand or don't even
0: try? Oh, sure. It's definitely worth mm-hmm seeing if the dog will come to you safely Mm -hmm. now if the dog acts aggressive in any way um, don't don't put yourself in a position where you're gonna get hurt or give the dog a bite record i i'm always i'm incredibly i have a healthy fear of dogs to be honest i was bit by my my cousin's german shepherd when i was little and so i have a very healthy fear of dogs. And so I don't, I don't personally want anybody to put themselves in a bad position. And even small, cute, little small dogs—they can be some of the meanest little ones. And you know, if you go to the vet and get it taken care of, you have to divulge, right? The dog, right? And they could end up with a bite record, and it's, you know, not
2: good. I would imagine. And these dogs, if they're scared or fearful or feel like they're being chased, you know, the best of dogs can try to defend themselves so now they might have a record that like oh this is so not my dog but in this situation right of course it turned that was my dog so right right it's it's great advice great tips for people to not overtly pursue a dog that clearly does not want that
0: exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly and you now, I personally, I always carry extra leashes. I have my whole dog catching bag in my car. I, of course my car, I've got a whole bunch of things <laughs> for catching dogs. So, um, but yeah, I always recommend that if you're a dog person, keep an extra slip lead in your, in your car. Yeah. Because if you come across the dog, hopefully it's microchipped. Hopefully it's got a collar with Um, information on it that's up to date. And if not, I mean, you can take a dog to the Humane Society of Hamilton County 24 hours a day, really. All you have to do is take the dog, call the non-emergency line, ask for an officer to meet you at the shelter. They can open the garage for you, get the dog tucked in for the night and it's safely off the streets and out of the cold. So so much to think
1: about and consider that I mean I've never I've never gone through what people who call you or reach out to you have gone through um, I have to read you this text from my cousin Laura who is the one that told me all about you and I personally know just from her story and then perusing your Facebook that you go to the ends of the earth to reunite, Families with their dogs and dogs with their families, and it's just such, it's just something. It's just something I have never given that much thought to. But now that I know that you do this, it's something that I'm, I'm just in tune to. And so, okay, I'm going to read this um, brief text to you. M- my cousin Laura was watching her brother and his family's dog while they were on vacation, and the dog got free and lost. And this is what she texted me when I said, just give me a little, like, uh," I forget what I asked her. But anyway, overwhelming panic and heartache sunk into my soul. The kind that paralyzes you, turns your peripheral vision black and allows a hopelessness to swallow your identity. God's light shined as at at such a dark moment in my life allowing me to meet carrie she did the simple stuff perfectly she kindly and genuinely listened to me at all hours of the day and met me where i was at she guided and supported me while providing information that was reliable and easy to understand carrie provided hope allowing me to strengthen my faith and trust god's plan even when i absolutely did not understand it the world could benefit from more carrie's and i will forever be grateful for her (laughs)
0: <laughs> no. Just, that was so sweet. Laura was so sweet. I just still brokenhearted.
1: I know. And she said, and I don't know what the odds are that I don't know what your the track record is or whatever. I know sometimes it doesn't end well. And in that case, it, it didn't. There were so many sightings and so many reports. And um, but it's it's really a door-to-door it's like a detective. I mean, I imagine there's questions that you, you have to ask the family in order for you to assess how you want to approach this specific dog or, or whatever. There's just so much more that goes into it that people probably wouldn't think about it. But I mean, how do you, I just, I can't imagine doing it. How, yeah, do, how, how do you,
2: because it's so rewarding, but also so heart-wrenching when it's not the outcome that people hope for. So how can you emotionally like take care of yourself to take care of these families who are, you're kind of giving these devastating updates to at
0: times? It's hard. Um, it kind of goes back to the whole compartmentalizing and just, and I don't, I don't mean to sound cold hearted in any way, but I've just done this for so many years that I I do my best to take care of the family and understand, like Laura said, I try to meet them where they're at. Um, I never blame anyone for a dog getting away. It just, it happens. Um, Even to some of the best, it happens. Mm -hmm. And when I'm dealing with an owner, I honestly feel like my job is more keeping their spirits up because it is I remember in the early days of doing this it's like every sighting you get like this little emotional high mm-hmm. you get this adrenaline high and you think oh we're close we're we're going to and then an hour will go by 2 hours will go by and every hour that goes by that you don't get a sighting you just start getting down, down, down. So it's so many peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. And I've just done this for so long that I know that a dog can go 48 hours without a sighting because if they're so scared, they may just find a nice hidey hole and that's where they will sit until they need water. Dogs can't go more than 72 hours without water, just like humans. And so they usually pop up around the 48 hour mark, if they're scared enough. And so I try to try to brace families for, I know every sighting you're going to get is going to give you a little high, but understand that that high is not going to last very long. Try not to get down. Just keep your eye on the prize. Keep them, you know, I, I try to explain going out and looking for your dog feels like you're doing something, but chances of you coming across your dog at the right time when they're crossing the right street it's your best bet is to spend all your time going and putting flyers out because the more passive eyes you have, the higher chance of getting more and more sightings and finding out, okay, well, what's the dog's pattern? Can we, you know, encounter them at a certain location because this is where they're seen at this time. Um, But a lot of people in neighborhoods, if they don't see signs up, they just, they'll see a dog, assume it's just a roaming dog from the neighborhood and, we will go back home. So they don't, they don't know. So, but if you have flyers out, they're like, Hey, that's that missing dog. I bear a call. So, yeah. so it's more important to go out and do productive work, not just kind of like how they say, if you're sitting in a rocking chair, rocking sure you're doing something, but are you doing anything productive? So it's, right. it tends to be the same thing of going out the first four, 24 hours. Definitely go out, look for your dog, call its name. I highly recommend one thing I want to recommend to people though. One thing we did with our puppy, um, my husband actually came up with this idea because I always warn people after the first 24 hours, don't go out calling your dog's name because think about it. Usually if you're saying your dog's name, you're trying to correct bad behavior typically. And so that doesn't tend to spark joy in a dog. But if there's like, if a dog passively hears your name, your voice, like you're in the area, pretend, I tell people, pretend you're on the phone with somebody, just hearing your voice that's calm may draw the dog out. Or if you have something that's super loud or something that always gets your dog to wake up and come into the kitchen or come straight to you without hesitation, whether it's kibble hitting a metal bowl. I have some people that I'll take, I'm like, just take two metal bowls and, You know, put the kibble back and forth while you're walking around, see if they'll draw the dog out. Um, If a dog likes cheese, get a nice cheese wrapper that's super loud and crinkle it up. We trained our puppy to come to a super loud squeaky toy. And he comes without question, doesn't matter what he's doing, he comes running to the squeaky toy. And it's louder than what my voice can be. Um, If I call him in the yard, he's like, yeah, no. But if I use that squeaky toy, he's right back in the house. So
2: one time when I was, we were having a bonfire and the back of our yard is wooded and it was my dog. She was like one maybe. And then our friend's dog and they were just roaming through the woods, coming back. They were fine. All of a sudden the one dog came back and my dog did not come back. And I'm like, Oh my God. And that feeling where it's like your stomach literally falls out of your body. And we were calling her, calling her, calling her. We were walking through the woods, could not find her at all. She was silent the other dog thankfully kept bringing us back to this area and her collar had gotten stuck mm-hmm. on like something. And so she just laid there silent because she was probably terrified. Like she was stuck. Right. But I'm like, make some noise, but they're not going to like, she was just cowering there silent. Cause she didn't know what to do. And we walked past her probably three times until the other dog finally kept like, we paid attention.
0: Right. Wow. But I
2: was like right next to us. We couldn't see her and she's a rock. She's huge. Like she's a big dog, (laughs) but we couldn't see her. She just blended in and it was dark and she was not going to make a sound. I mean, she was silent. And so in those moments, I think, because she has a loud squeaky toy, she loves, and it was just a tree branch. Like, I wonder if I had something like that where she would have just like ripped and hopefully she wouldn't because I want, I want her to get hurt but like right. what is that thing that would make her like bark back or something just to like engage with them so that they snap out of that like quiet fearful mode
0: right I don't know
2: if there is anything but I like that tip for dog owners what other tips could you give dog owners because like CS said I never really thought about this until now and now I have to think about it it's like you hear the tips around 4th of July like if fireworks scare your dog or thunderstorms like don't let your dogs outside right now. And all these things, what are those big things that owners should be thinking of that? Maybe we're not thinking of all the time.
0: Well, especially nights that there's fireworks. Mm-hmm. You often hear of dogs, like people going, okay, well, the fireworks have stopped. I'm going to let my dog out. Well, if your dog's afraid of fireworks, even if the fireworks have stopped, I can almost guarantee the second your dog goes outside, some neighbor is going to light off that one last crackle Mm -hmm. and freak your dog out. I've seen teeny tiny little dogs literally scale six foot fences and get out just because they're so scared um, depending on the fence, of course. But um, so the nights that are traditional firework nights, Super Bowl, 4th of July, New Year's, take, if you have a fearful dog take them out on a leash, make sure the collar's nice and tight or the harness is nice and tight. I like Martingale collars myself. Um, they're no slip can't back out of them if they're fitted properly. So, um, I also also recommend every single dog owner. I don't care how well you think your dog's going to stay near your home. If given the opportunity to get out, get a GPS for their collar. Um, My dogs personally have the whistle go explores. Um, the battery life is amazing. It lasts well over a month. Um, and they, it recommends, it tells you when to charge it. And it's usually only down to like 33% because gosh forbid it gets out when the battery life is getting low and you don't have the opportunity to catch it, to track it in time to get it back. Um, there's another one that I hear that's really good, but it requires you to use their collar. Whereas Whistle Go, you can attach it to your existing collar or buy one of their collars. But Fee, there's one called Fee FI. But again, I personally use Martingale collars, and their um, collars that you have to use are not Martingale style. So. so I recommend checking out those two brands for a GPS for your dog. Uh, just because that way, if it gets out, you'll be notified within three minutes that it's no longer it's in its safe zone. And wow. three minutes, a dog can get pretty far in three minutes, um, but at least you could track it if it's a dog that is... Um, if it's fearful dog, like a brand new dog, you know, again, try and call me, call somebody, just try not to wear its battery down because if you know, it's going to run from you, it's more important just to know where it's at. That way you can set up a feeding station and get the trapping done. If it's an own dog, um, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm the owner. It loves me. Well, if it's been out, I mean, if, if you get it within the first couple hours, you're fine. If the dog's fearful, it may not come to you. It may run away from you. The important thing is you sit down, get as low to the ground as possible. Talk softly. Um, don't say the dog's name. If it runs, let it run. Half the time, over half the time, it'll circle up behind because it recognizes that, hey, that that looks familiar. That looks like something I shouldn't be afraid of. And they will come up, they will smell the back of your head, come to your face, smell your breath, and the second their tail starts wagging, then you can reach for them. If you try and reach for them before that, they may take off and be like, nope, predator, I'm out, (laughs) you know, because they didn't, it didn't, it didn't flip that switch from survival mode back to domestic mode. So you've got to give them a second to flip that switch back. So then you can safely get them back. So I've gotten that on video before where somebody's dog got away from the house sitter and they were out of town and they got back into town and I got eyes on the dog. They were on in a route to get there. And so I like coached them through everything. I'm hiding behind a car, talking to them on the phone. Then the dog of course, predictably ran away from him and the sun went to run on like tell him to sit down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, give it at least five minutes. And it's a, Thirty seconds. She circled around a building. I'm like, okay, she's coming up behind you. Don't move. <laughs> and so, and I, she dropped the phone. So I start videotaping, and, and it's awesome. It's, it's like there. You
1: should have a TikTok channel. Like, I know videos yeah. that it's like better than proposals. I feel like <laughs> what a cool thing that it must be. Must be feel like I don't even. I'm. I can't even speak because I'm just. I. I don't know.
0: there's there's a lot of awesome awesome reunions some are anticlimactic. you're like oh you got the dog back you know (laughs) you know other times like i caught this one dog on easter a couple years ago and this dog had traveled i had caught it on camera for a different dog in downtown noblesville or stony creek area and um caught on camera, I posted on next door. Hey, anybody recognize this dog? But of course, it's an area where some people often just let their dogs roam. Nobody ever said anything. The dog was super healthy, very muscular. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, it must have just been a random neighborhood dog. And a couple months later, like months later. Cause that was in October, the following March, somebody had posted, Hey, you know, I keep seeing this dog in the field over at Stony Creek elementary. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's that same dog from October or November. And, um, come to find out it had been up North of the school bus depot way North of there and had settled into the Stony Creek area. So I found a neighbor next to, cause this dog would stay in the field that way it could see anything coming and it would just take off the other way. Some dogs like to hide under things, some, but most dogs like to hide where they can see things coming to them and they have an easy exit out. So um, I had one trap that we set up and she it was a trap that I no longer have. The door bounced and she got out. So I set up a huge, my big trap, caught it. It was Easter Sunday um, and she served her seven-day stray hold at the shelter. She was about to be adopted out. And it turns out, that her real owner, who she had gotten away from two years before in North, I think, Northwest Indianapolis. So this dog had traveled. And it's two years. And the, and her and the mom, the owner, had actively searched for her dog for a year. Like, everybody knew about this dog named Bella. Well, of course, I didn't live here at the time, so I didn't know about a dog named Bella. And then the mom still didn't give up on the. during the second year. She still posted online, still did this. Well, she saw a shelter pet alert of this dog. And it's funny, because to me, the photo didn't even look like the dog. I mean, it was her, but it was a bad photo. And she instantly recognized that that was her dog. And um, her dog was fixed, but not microchipped. So that was the problem. Make sure your dogs are microchipped and the information is up to date. Always check um, and make sure you set it to public because these private settings are very frustrating because then you have to wait for the microchip company to call you and it could take them hours to get a hold of you. And by then, who knows what somebody, the finder is going to do with the dog. So it just have it set to public that way. If somebody calls into microchip company, they can give that person your phone number and contact you directly. So nobody can contact you if they don't have your dog. So, um, But anyway, so she managed to get her Bella back almost two years to the day. Oh, my God. To me, that was one of the craziest stories I've ever had. Just the fact that, I mean, she got her dog back and she saw this random photo in a totally different county. Yeah. Yeah so oh my gosh that is
2: amazing and her
0: dog I'm telling you her dog was super healthy so even though she was on the run for two years she was really good at surviving what kind of a dog was that just out of curiosity she just looked like some little red pit mix um yeah a terrier mix but she didn't have like the big blocky head or anything but just some little and she was probably only 40 pounds maybe but she was muscular she looked great her teeth were great but come to find out she was staying under somebody's like um truck cover um during the winter because i mean this is a short fur dog but we had a really brutal winter that winter that was when we had i think it was like sub-zero for two weeks and we figured out how to survive i've seen other dogs that in a three week period, they just apparently ate nothing naive and rabbit poop. Dogs will find rabbit poop and eat rabbit poop, but it it, it was a bag of bones and it was so, so sad. And I don't know that that dog would have survived one more night. And thank God, thank God somebody saw it. And the owners rushed out there. They did what I told them. They had their treat jar opening it and closing it. And that got her to come to them.
2: Oh my gosh. You could write
0: a book about,
2: tips. There's so many things you've said that I would never have thought of. Like I'd be like (laughs) Kingston. I mean, but the food in the bowl, the squeaky, like there's so many brilliant tips that even just having the phone number on the collar, like so many people don't even have their phone numbers on the collars or their tags. And there was one dog I encountered just on my street and they had an extra collar embroidered. With their phone number, super big, on so that the dog didn't want to come near me, but I could read the phone number from a distance. Those are called them, and they were like, "I'm right down the street." Like she got out, or she didn't have her whatever electric fence thing on. Yeah, and I was able to get a hold of them that easily because I could see it from afar without having to like be up in the dog's
1: face.
0: Yes, those collars are brilliant. I love those collars. So I want
1: yeah. one of those. I'm gonna have to link all this stuff. I I wrote down uh martingale collar i am martingale
0: collars try yes. to find
1: that and link that and then the
0: gps uh
1: the whistle I'll, I'll make sure that i link everything in the in the blog because i'm sure just get your ducks in a row before you know the this horrible thing happens and you're really frazzled and stressed and overwhelmed and don't mm-hmm. really know what to do next like it would be awesome if in every part of our lives we could be this organized but now, now that people know some of these tips, I feel like that's going to be so helpful. And
2: and especially people with new puppies, like you're starting right off the bat, microchip, and all of these tips to get the dog to have that thing to come back to them and all these, I think it's, it's really things that you wouldn't think about until you think about them. And then they're like, well, duh, that seems so smart, but that's probably not how I would react in that situation. So right. it's amazing. What you're doing is amazing. And your company is run entirely by volunteers. A no oh, fee service. I'm,
0: a one, I'm a one woman band.
2: Oh my gosh. A one woman show. Yep. And you don't charge anyone and you just do this out of the love of your heart.
0: Yep. Yeah. So this is my volunteer effort. When I lived in Charlotte, I volunteered for a number of different organizations. Um, again, Coalition Unchained Dogs. I was a volunteer at the Ronald McDonald house. Um, and Susan G coming for the cure. Those were my passion pet pr- passion projects there, but here, yeah, I've totally put all my, um, volunteer energy into operating on the run lost dog recovery. So. Okay.
2: You are unbelievable. And we saw that Hank's mom who I believe is a Hank is someone you've rescued.
0: Yes. Or helped return. I had two cases this summer. Oh, here's one of my other recommendations. Oh, if us. you have a retractable leash, please throw it away. Yeah, They're dangerous. They're, they're, they're not meant for the human hand. The weakest part of our handhold is our thumb. If a dog pulls hard, um, it'll come right out of your hand easily. It just, there's article after article after article about how dangerous retractable leashes are. And a lot of people don't realize how dangerous they are. Um, it's anyway. So I had two cases this summer where dogs had a retractable leash and the leash either dropped or pulled out of the owner's hand. The second that, that plastic hit the ground behind them, they took off. Um, Obi was one Obi, We literally rescued within hours before he died. I found, oh. him. um, we spent three days. The last day I was like, okay, if he's caught up in the woods somewhere, um, this is it. He, this is his last night. Cause this is day three. Um, he's not gonna, he needs water. And so I searched the last section of woods that I, I started searching. Um, Sure enough, I found him right behind somebody's house, right behind somebody's fence. And literally, if the neighbor happened to walk outside and walk to the edge of their fence, they would have seen him. He was so caught up and the leash was literally right next to his face. So you were talking, Colleen, um, CB, how you were saying that your dog was caught up and it just literally froze. That would go be, he was frozen. He literally could shoot right through that leash and gone home. But that's not what happened. He he was caught up. The leash was right next to his face. But he just sat there and just and we tried to once we got him out of there, we tried to stand him up and he fell over. And so they rushed him to the vet um, and they had to do a couple subdermal um, water treatments to get him rehydrated because he in the vet was like he had maybe five hours left. So <sighs> Hank, Hank um, also had that happen um dad was walking them and a truck a dump truck went by and leash came out of his hand and he took off and so the family had searched all morning and all afternoon and i got there i think two in the afternoon they reached out to me and um so i started searching the woods with them and so I went back further into the woods. I'm like, yeah, we checked. And I'm like, well, let me go check. I went back there. It took about an hour, but we, I found him, I got eyes on him and I called and I don't approach if it's an own dog. I don't approach the dog. If the owner's there, um, just because a, my presence could cause him to try and dislodge and actually get away. And then Then what are we going to do? So I wait for the owner. So I'm like, I've got eyes on him. Get over here. So they got there and they got him. We got him untangled and he was just tangled up and he just quietly sitting there waiting for someone to find him.
1: (laughs) Right. On your
0: anniversary, (laughs) I read. (laughs) Yes, it was actually both mine and their anniversary on that same day. So it was a kismet. And so the one thing is, though, that the woods was right next to a soybean field. And the soybeans were just high enough. I'd rather search woods all day, every day than a field because field, if you don't have a bird's eye view, Mm -hmm. you could walk right past the dog, like within feet, not see him. Um, Woods can be the same way if there's a ton of underbrush, um, but typically woods you can see further. Mm-hmm. So there was a soybean field and we were trying to get someone to come out with a drone. Cause that's the one thing I don't have yet is a drone. And we were trying to get someone to come out and do an overview of the field because the soybean was enough to where I'm like, he could have gotten caught up in that and he could be laying down in it. And we'll never know. And we can't do a zigzag pattern through somebody's soybeans. I'll damage the crop. So um, Hank's mom decided the. She was going to partner with another friend of mine's um, not-for-profit because I'm not set up as a 501c3 because I don't accept money. So I don't have, um, but legally I can accept a certain amount of money granted to me um, to get big ticket. I own all my equipment and so I'm not worried about that. But uh, the drone that I want is expensive because it's got, FLIR technology. So heat seeking technology. So it's, it's past the budget that we would just pay for out of pocket as a household. Um, Yeah. And you're
1: really close to your goal. It looks, I I feel like it's right around the corner.
0: So close to the goal. Yeah. It's, it's, The goal will cover the cost of the drone and probably taxes and shipping, and then I'll pay the rest out of pocket for extra batteries and um, getting licensed on it. But yeah, so, so close to the goal. And that will help aid your efforts immensely, it seems. I, I
1: mean, from what I understand, and I think that's so cool that Hank's mom started this. I mean, I would too. If you did that for me, I would 100%, but- um, you do everything for free. And so this – I just – if if you are so inclined, listeners, you know, to donate any amount, any amount at all, um, that's just something. One more good thing that you can do for – I know that this is just
0: um, in the Indianapolis area, but um, – Hamilton County, I stick Hamilton to more- County, yeah. yeah. It's so full north full of Indianapolis. County. Sometimes we partner together in Marion County. If it's a North Marion County and it's an owned dog, I will absolutely – step in. And, um, if they ask, Hey, can you cover it? So it's strays I don't do in Marion County, but, um, uh, Oh gosh. No. Yeah, so You never
1: but, know who you might inspire to start something like this where they live. And I mean, how cool if you, if I don't know, I I'm just very inspired by all of this and
0: I hope that we can raise this money. for like strong. Strong. Cause I've got to tell you, I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I can say, like Laura's case, we knew that um, Pup was running cornfields along the White River. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't flush, I don't flush dogs out of their safe space. But, um, but a, it was a ton of territory. And I, I, I know a drone would have possibly benefited that case to where we could have at least gotten a feeding station closer. Like if we spotted, um, spotted him on, on the drone, then we could at least get a a feeding station close enough to him to lure him to a trap. Right. Um, but yeah, apparently where we put the feeding station, it wasn't close enough to wherever he was staying. Um, so yeah. So I've had a few cases this summer that a drone would have absolutely helped propel the case forward. So. And I
2: think as animal owners, dog owners, like. I believe we don't deserve dogs like the unconditional love that they bring to a home. I can't even can't even think about the day when my dog is not here and oh, I'm going to cry. Yeah, But I would do anything to help my dog in that situation. And I would do anything to help someone else's dog come back to their home also. So I think there's so many takeaways from this episode that are just like how to be prepared, how to handle things differently when you see a stray or someone else's dog that's lost and what you can do to be preventative. I know on your Facebook page, you have tips about like the dangers of squirrel season and different things that you guys got to go follow along because the more we can do to keep our loved ones safe, like I would do anything. So once you know, you can't unknow it. So yeah, go donate, let's get carry this drone to help all of these dogs and then find, you know, someone near you. If you can volunteer in any way, shape or form or spread the word and help out with fundraisers in your area that could change so many people's lives with their, their loved ones, because Dogs are our family members, so.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to live in um, on the north side of Indianapolis to benefit from following her Facebook page. It's a lot of heartwarming things, a lot of updates about the dogs that Carrie helps rescue, and then it's tips from uh, police officers or about, you know, your underground or electric fence isn't 100% reliable. It's lots and lots and lots of uplifting, which we need more of in this world, every day, and just helpful, helpful tips. So we're so thankful that you were able to talk to us about this today, and I hope that – gosh, I just – I hope that other people who love dogs as much as we do will tune in because it's just so heartwarming what you do. Oh,
0: thank you so much for having me.
2: (laughs) can't. where can everyone go follow along to follow – follow
0: along. So my Facebook page, I only have a Facebook page. I don't have a website or anything again, since I'm just a one woman band, I keep it small. I I don't intend to grow. I intend to stay just Hamilton County. So my Facebook page is on the run lost dog recovery. Um, Follow along there, see the stories that pop up again. Sometimes I'm not super busy, so it may be a couple months between stories. Sometimes I'm busy h- consulting with own dogs um, that I don't have to trap. And so I don't, you know, some some cases I just don't even post about because the owner listened to what I told them to do. They got their dog back within 24 hours and yay. So wow. yeah, um, rest yeah. easy. Wow.
1: That's Really cool! You're making such a difference. Animals are such—I mean, specifically dogs—for us personally. Um, I mean, at the end of the day,
2: (laughs) yeah. And we're gonna post the link to the GoFundMe page, you guys. Let's all get Carrie this to help so many other families.
0: Yes. Thank you. Oh, and. If you see that my GoFundMe finally hit the goal, don't donate more. Take the money that you were going to donate to (sighs) me and go to the Hamilton County Humane Society and donate to them. They are about to launch their new glorious uh, location. It's beautiful, and they're going to be able to help so many more dogs because Hamilton (sighs) County Humane, they don't just help the Hamilton County dogs. If they've got space, they pull dogs from other um shelters in the area they are amazing so if you see that i've hit my goal and you still want to spread the love please donate to, to the hamilton county humane society um, or <laughs> if, donate to humane society that's or even um the animal shelter in marion county they're fantastic too so peaceful souls down in marion county amazing so they've got a great website. They've got a ton of great tips on there. In fact, I suggest people go to their website because everything I tell them is already imprint on their website. So, Very cool. so yeah, there's a whole network of, of um, lost dog recovery people across the country. So um, I
1: love that.
0: Support your local shelter. So for sure, and yeah. rescues, um, if you can foster, reach out. To shelter or rescue, see if they've got a dog that would match her home well that you could foster and help get them to home.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, you are a selfless, good human, and we appreciate you.
1: Thank you. For reaching out to me, I really appreciate it. Well, you know, we wanted to just do something different. When when I heard about this, I texted CB that night, and she's like, "Uh, yeah, we have to get her on the podcast." So I'm like, "I'm going to be brave and just." I'm just going to ask her. And you were so willing. And I think that that's just another great quality that that you have. And I, I know people are going to learn a lot. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry if I rambled too much. No, that's perfect.
2: <laughs> so much information. And I am a dog lover. And there are so many tips that I got from this episode that I would have never even thought of. So I think it's so beneficial for everyone to tune in and whether they even have a dog or not just to see a dog walking down the street. Now, maybe I have some ideas of what to do. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you, Carrie.
0: Thank you guys. I really appreciate it.